to a slice of orange, North Orange County politics. I'm Jody Balma, professor of political science at Fullerton College. Uh, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast or this is your first time, I, I want you to know we're covering a lot of shows with candidates who are on the June 7th, 2022 ballot. Uh, and, and so we're covering some of these low information elections that can slip below the radar and make it hard for voters to know who to vote for. Uh, I've, I've already talked with Shereen Smith and Paulette Chafee, who are running for the Orange County Board of Education. I've been talking to a lot of judicial candidates for those nine competitive races on the Orange County ballot. Uh, elections have consequences, and when voters aren't informed, we often all pay the price. So today, I'm talking with the superintendent of Orange County Schools, Dr. Al Moharis. Um, unlike our local school boards, where the elected trustees or board members uh, hire the superintendent, interview and hire and give a contract to superintendents and fire superintendents. Uh, our Orange County superintendent is also an elected office. So voters will go to the ballot and everyone will vote for superintendent. And then the five uh, districts geographically are divided in our county. And so three of those districts are up for election and those candidates will be on the ballot for the Board of Education as well. So voters are going to be a little bit surprised with this race. We're not used to voting for superintendent, and often it's an uncontested race. But this time, it's not. There's competition. There are two candidates running for this office. Uh, Dr. Alan McCarris is running for re-election. And then we also have a, a challenger, Dr. Stefan Bean, um, who serves on uh, board secretary for the board of directors of the Classical Academy Charter School, along with the board president, who's Dr. Jeff Barkey who is the husband of, um, Jeff Barkey is the husband of Orange County Board of Education member, Mary Barkey. Um, Classical Academy, you'll see, I'll put a link in the show notes, is a Hillsdale College member school. That's not a secret. It's on the front page of the website underneath their name. And I'll also put a link uh, in the show notes to the New York Times article uh, that talks about the expansion of classical charter, charter schools throughout the nation. They offer curriculum based on the uh, Trump administration commissioned the 1776 project um, and, and then a small evangelical Christian school in Michigan, um, also associated with Betsy DuVos. Uh, so I'll put a link to that article. You can read up more all about uh, Hillsdale College, this small uh, college that is uh, transforming uh, a charter school network across uh, the nation. Tennessee already has 50 charter schools and lots of states um, are getting them so far. The Orange County Board of Education in 2019 approved the charter for the Orange County Classical Academy, which is the, the, the school that uh, Dr. Bean and Dr. Barkey serve on their board of directors. So there's a lot to cover. Um, public discourse is good. Everybody has the right to vote. And so we want to get this information out there. Um, Dr. Maharis is running for re-election to this office that he already holds, so we get to talk a little bit about what the office actually does and what the job is, uh, what the Department of Education does, and um, some of these lawsuits that have spent millions and millions and millions of dollars um, and, and have lost. Um, when we get to the end of the show questions, uh, Dr. Maharis has some great answers I want you to listen for. Um, I, I love some of, of his perspectives, uh, like whether you're working on your resume or your epitaph of how you'll be remembered is a difference in approach to how you live your life. Um, I, I think there's something really profound about that idea and framework. 
um, how to approach challenges that stand in your way as stepping stones forward. I love that concept. So um, this episode is a little bit longer than usual. We just had a really good conversation and I look forward to you getting to know our superintendent of Orange County Schools, Dr. Maharis. Let's get started. Welcome to a slice of orange. I'm Jody Balma, and today I'm here with Dr. Alma Harris, who's the superintendent of Orange County Schools. Welcome. Hi, great to be with you. So you've been the Orange County superintendent of schools since 2012. Prior to that, you had some experience uh, that I'm going to ask you to talk about in just a minute. But you have an elected position, which is fascinating to me because most of the local school boards uh, that we're familiar with, uh, the superintendent is hired by the board. So we've got a lot to kind of unpack and, and talk about why you are actually on the ballot in June. So let me get your background first. What experience do you have to be our superintendent? Okay, well, I've been in the business for several decades. Um, and I started off really in the world of special education. So that was my entry into public education. While I was a student at uh, Cal State Northridge, I started working with the San Fernando Valley Child Guidance Clinic, which uh -huh. was a special um, service to students with special needs, uh, particularly students that were having social emotional needs. Uh, and even uh, from those who were extremely, let's say, anxious or uh, had difficulty um, concentrating to uh, students who were autistic. So there's mm -hmm. a large range of students. And um, that was my entry into public education, frankly. I also worked for a private school that dealt with students who were primarily um, um, you know, uh, educably challenged. Um, they were Down syndrome students largely. And we had a few other students who were um, suffering from aphasia, you know, students have the inability to speak or uh -huh. hear. There were some students who were also suffering from deaf and hardened hearing. So it was a variety of, of um, handicapping conditions, if you will. Um, and then I just, um, you know, continued on in education. I, I had a chance to work uh, for the San Mateo County Office of Education as I was working on my master's degree at Cal Berkeley. And then from there, we came back to Southern California and I worked for the Paramount Unified School District. So, um, you know, long history of that. I was, that was in the 80s and then um, just um, continued on in education. I Eventually ended up in the Moreno Valley Unified School District. I served there as a, as a, at the coordinator level of instructional services. I was the principal of a high school. Uh, it was an alternative high school. And then um, I was the director of instruction and then went on to the Coachella Valley Unified School District where I served as assistant superintendent and as superintendent. And from there, I went to Bakersfield City Schools served as superintendent of schools, then Santa Ana. So that's how I got into Orange County, although uh -huh. Orange County was a, a beloved place to visit and to live for a long time. It's just a yeah. great, 
obviously a paradise, I tell people. <laughs> um, so I worked for the Santa Ana Unified School District in the um, mid 90s to 2006. I was there just shy, a few weeks shy of 12 years. Okay. And you and served as their superintendent, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. And we had a large district at the time when I was there, we had 62,000 students approximately, uh -huh. you know, through declining enrollment and other measures, the school district isn't that, does not serve that uh, large of a student population, but we were the fifth largest in, in California and sure. one of the largest in the country, Santa Ana Unified School District. And, and most of my students were at the poverty level. Many of them were English learners. 70% of their parents uh, had no high school diploma. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, many of our students were, um, um, you know, had, had str were struggling with a number of instructional issues uh, from illiteracy, entering the schools where parents had no literacy in either language, right. Right. whether it be English or their primary language. And we had three dozen primary languages, but the majority was Spanish. Vietnamese, uh, uh, Indo-Chinese students, Vietnamese, Cambodian, Laotian students, a large number of those students as well. And uh, despite all of that, um, we had outstanding schools. Um, feel very confident we were leaders in primary language instruction and in learning a, a second language. We were leaders in knowing how to deal with uh, matters of uh, urban education. Uh, we had dealt with sure. overcrowding, just a, a number of issues, and yet our students ascended up uh, through the universities, and many of them were, you know, going to a tier one private universities. Uh, we had number one to Harvard and Yale, and some went right to schools here in, in, uh -huh. in uh, schools of distinction, whether it be UCLA, USC, Stanford, Berkeley, you know, and then many of them went into the community college system as well. But the experience there afforded me the opportunity to to almost uh, see every imaginable problem in the public schools or any type of education, whether it be public or right. uh, or or even a, a a select school. You might say that would sure. be labeled perhaps private. We had charter schools. Um, I started uh, it uh, um, was in the leadership capacity as a superintendent when we started seven charter schools. And back then there were no chargers in Orange County. Right. Um, you know, I think we started even before uh, OSHA and OSHA was then um, housed in some bungalows over in the Los Alamitos Unified School District. I remember that move well, Orange that? County okay. Performing Arts. Yes, yeah, right. the Arts. Yeah, and it's a school. And we also created, by the yeah. way, a um, elementary school, Osea, which was an elementary school right yeah. next to OSHA pretty much. And it was yeah. our way of helping our students compete. Those who especially wanted to go into the arts and wanted to go to OSHA because it was a performance-based uh uh, yeah. entrance requirement. You had to audition. So we tried to get our students ready. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of that. Then I went from there, from that job, I was asked by the president of the college board to help increase uh, participation rates in advanced placement courses for Hispanic kids and other kids of color. Mm -hmm. So I became a vice president with the college board. And I had the uh, West, which to me was the best part of the United States. So I had about uh, 12 states all in the West. Uh, uh -huh. I had Hawaii, um, uh, Alaska, California, Oregon, you yeah. know, um, 
Arizona, Montana, Idaho, all the, those that pretty much in the West. Yeah. And my job there was to improve the rates of student participation and performance in advanced placement courses, uh, as well as helping students who were going to have to sit for the SAT. Mm-hmm. And then we had a, lot, a number of other interventions that we started that dealt largely with matters of equity. Yeah, right. That's a big yeah. issue, big issue with testing. Yeah. And, so and then Bill Habermill was the former county superintendent, and he mm-hmm. just, he retired and he left two years on his term. And that's the only time the board gets involved in the selection of the superintendent. And that is that if a superintendent leaves with um, time left on their term, the board then appoints a superintendent, yeah. but the superintendent must run at the very next election. Right. And then it becomes right. the choice of the people. Yes. So the board appointed me. I had a 5-0 vote. They appointed me. And um, then two years later, I ran. And then subsequent to that, I, I, I ran a couple of times, uh, two more times. Sure. sure. And and clearly a very different board when you were appointed back in 2012. Yes. Um, yes. We, we don't get a lot of 5-0 votes these days. Right. So um, this position is elected. And so you've served as a superintendent in a local school district where the superintendent is hired by the board and, and you know, can be replaced by the board with contracts, of course. This is different. And, and you know, a, a lot of us, uh, you know, weren't even aware until uh, in, in we started seeing this election that, that this is an elected position um, and, and that changes the dynamic of the board and the superintendent, which is what we've seen in the news articles, these contentious uh, fights between the board and the state of California and the board and our own department of education. Um, and, and making the news isn't always a good thing because often it's because things are going wrong. So, so tell us what the Orange County Department of Education does, because in, in addition to being the elected superintendent, you're, you're the manager of, of, of that department. That is correct. And first and foremost, let me say that it is a nonpartisan position. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate and, that. And it requires that the individual be an expert in education. So a credential is required for this position. Um, And I think that um, that's a good thing because education is a highly specialized profession. And while we all went to school, it doesn't mean that we're experts in schooling or teaching young people how um, how to learn new concepts and how to apply them. You know, so the, the art of pedagogy is crucial. Yes. So it should not be, in my opinion, a job for a politician per se. It should be a person. So maybe that's one of the reasons why the, the elected side of it isn't uh, pronounced. But I can tell you that um, I do not have a contract. People call and say, I want to see a copy of your contract. If when I was a superintendent in, in either Coachella, right. Bakersfield or Santa Ana, I had a contract. Right. And everything in the contract that uh, you know was required of me was was listed, and we the boards executed that agreement with me. I signed it, they signed it, and then then we understood what the other one was doing. In my case, um, I serve the people, and this is a point of contention because I don't report to the board. Correct. And and they 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 sometimes forget that. Yes, um, that that is clear from the articles I've read. 
Yeah. And the meetings so, I've watched, they, right. they think it's, uh, yeah, they think you report to them. Right. And that is clear and it's now, not the case. Right. And, and so in, 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 in truth, um, I report to everybody and including uh, members of the board who are, who are residents of the, of the County. I mean, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that when the board dis dissembles and they no longer retain a quorum, they don't have any other right than anybody, any citizen in Orange County. They right. can't, you know, they don't have the, the authority to come in and direct and do things individually as a, as a singleton. Um, so that being said, it is important that I be a servant to all in this position. And that's what I try to do within the context of uh, the public's expectations that you know, that we, we do our jobs. Now, also, I think it's important to note that uh, I'm an agent of the state as well. And what I mean by that is that um, we have a government that is fashioned, you know, it's a representative government with a um, general assembly, the assembly, the Senate, we also have constitutional officers. My position is a constitutional, as, as, as I'm a constitutional officer, and so you have a governor and you have uh, a, a, a state board of education who are, who are commissioned to, to establish policies, laws. Yes. And you have to follow those laws. And I think that's another point of contention. So when I do my job, for example, one of the main things I do is to assure the um, solvency of all of our 28 school districts. So I sign off on the budgets. Every year they have to attest the fiscal health of uh -huh. each district. And so uh, uh, the governing board has to attest in the fall and in the spring that they have the necessary revenue to meet their annual obligations, their ex annual uh, expenditures. And I have to sign off on that. If there's a problem, any inkling that a school cannot maintain a three-year budget with the necessary reserves for economic uncertainty, then it's my responsibility to meet with those entities and to figure out a way for us to make sure that our revenues are in line with our expenditures and that we have enough money for a reserve, which is all required by law. And the other thing Correct. that I do, which is important, is that I uh, or the superintendent approves all of the local accountability plans. And that's the instructional program. Uh -huh. uh, it emanates from the district. And remember, this is the other thing that I think is amazing, that the districts have their own elected boards. Correct. Right. They're self-governing. Right. So, you know, there's certain things I do and certain things I do not do. I certainly right. don't meddle in their affairs. They know how to govern themselves. They have stakeholders that feed uh -huh. into the governing process. And every district is different. We have right. some commonality, right. but we are different. So point is that we also serve, though, um, students who uh, have special needs. And so we work with our districts to meet the needs of special needs students. For example, we have a different heart of hearing program that's at in, in uh, Irvine Unified and University High School. So the kids there are actually, many of the students are coming out bilingual. They're speaking English and they're learning uh, American Sign Language. And, and because Amazing. we have a large contingency of deaf and hard of hearing students on that campus. Right. So we do that. Um, and we also serve our students who are incarcerated. They're wards of the court. They are in juvenile hall. 
We serve all of those students. And then the other thing that we've taken it upon ourselves to do in concert with our districts is to serve students who have been expelled or students who are severely credit deficient. Uh-huh. We created a charter school because some students, let's take, let's say they need 220 or 230 credits to graduate. The student is now 17 and they have 60 credits. Right. So what do you do? Okay. So in what our case, we've created a charter school so we can go beyond the age of 18 to continue serving those students so they can get their diploma and, and then move on with some form of post high school certification so they can find a job. Right. So that's uh, another thing that we do. Um, we also do a lot of professional development. And the de- development is based on state standards and state frameworks. You see, there's some people that don't like the standards. Some right. people, I've had beefs uh, early on in, in uh, 2013. Um, the Common Core was approved and... Incidentally, it was re- approved by a Republican governor right. and a Republican state school board. When I arrived, we had done very little to implement the Common Core, which is all standards now in terms of metrics. Statewide testing was all going to be based on the Common Core. Right. So people said, well, we don't like the Common Core. It's coming from President Obama. And it didn't come from President Obama. It came from all of the National Governors Association and the state heads of of education. They developed the Common Core. And then other organizations had the PTA, uh, had some involvement. Businesses had involvement. uh, Teachers. Public policy has many, 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 many chefs. Yeah. And I said to people, (laughs) you know, like they say, well, we want to go back to the old standard. Guess what? Those were the standards of 2002. And guess what? They didn't like those standards either. We didn't like those either. We didn't like No Child Left Behind. And we didn't like what came before that. So, yes. And and I could talk forever on on the standards, but they were were important standards for us to pull. So, California says, since there's such a uh, to do over the common core. We're just calling them. These are the California state standards, period. Right. And, well, that's and you bring up a good point because I think labeling and the words that we use can sometimes become so polarizing and political. Yes. And if we actually talk about content, we have more agreement. So yeah, yeah I think that's a good example of these are the state standards. Exactly. They're the, and, and you know, you can't, decide we're going to go rogue and we're not going to follow the state standards, that would be right. against the law. You, the, right. thing, the thing that people have to remember is I took an oath of office, which basically right. said I would defend the state of California right. and the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. But I would also, inclusive in that is that I'm going to obey all laws. Right. And yes. so when these people are expecting me to become an insurrectionist or violate laws because they don't like them, because they don't square with their ideological positions, is uh, to me, it's lunacy. Sure, sure. And, and so you're talking about, you know, what the Department of Education does. Um, just recently, Tim Shaw, one of the board members running for re-election on the same ballot, said that the Orange County Board of Education is not, and I'll quote, is not the governing board of anything. Which surprised us since it's a board of education. So (laughs) there was also a a testimonial uh, in one of the lawsuits where there was such an assertion that they controlled a lot previously 
Yeah. It then flipped to say, well, we don't really are not responsible for that. It's the superintendent's job. Right. So, you know, that that did that that was a little odd for me. I found it very um ironical or paradoxical. Right. Because in, in the lawsuits, and, and we'll talk a little bit about these lawsuits, because the current board has throughout the pandemic been suing the governor, suing the state, and it's costing millions of dollars. And we keep losing because we had no business, no standing to sue. Um, and, and so it just seems like we have such important work to do. Yes. And this board has been a political grandstanding distraction. And I think that has finally gotten the attention of people and why this election has become such a big deal. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your election for superintendent, because um, it is so important that we let the Department of Education go back to being boring and not making the news and serving the schools of Orange County and the students of Orange County and doing all of these things that you've talked about, alternative schools and, and, and you know, juvenile justice and, and those children who need special education. Um, you know, you, you spoke just just recently, previously, about, you know, not wanting to be a politician. A politician shouldn't have this job, and yet we force you to be a politician campaigning. Um, what do you want the voters to know about why it's, this election is so important? Well, I think it goes back to the democracy that we enjoy in this great country. I think the one factor that has sustained our work in our democracy beside the almighty God that we have is the fact that um, we have a strong public school system. We have a strong system to educate our children and it is the public schools. And um, I think that there are other ways to for education that we have seen to be delivered. There are private schools, as I mentioned, there's people who homeschool. In fact, one of the things that we offer at Pacific Coast High School, it's a school for homeschoolers where parents mm -hmm. feel that they perhaps topped out in terms of being able to help their kids. I mean, I don't, I know very few parents that can teach, for example, um, calculus, or let's say, inorganic or organic chemistry or physics that are right. so, if you don't do well there, you're going to be compromised on all of the STEM professions. Right. So you right. see, and so we, and including the classics, classic literature are, it's critical. So some parents feel like I can't, I can't be at that level. And I want my son, my son or daughter to go to college or, or to sure. university. So they come to our Pacific coast high school where we have certified teachers who can help them. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and we have charter schools. The charter right. schools have to follow the laws of California sure. and have to follow the curriculum as well. So um, I think that um, this, this to me is an important um, race because we cannot be about establishing a filter or a model of ideological acceptance for those who enter right. our public schools. Right. We have 
so much diversity and we should celebrate the diversity. We have issues of equity for sure, but we have, and, and by the way, on the issues of equi equity, that's why it's important that we create compensatory programs to help students so that they aren't left behind. Correct. Um, but um, we, uh, we, we serve every student who comes through our door. Uh, and, and by the way, people you want to know, well, you know, who comes through the door? Well, if, if you're a resident of Orange County and you show us that you are proved that, you then go to the school district closest to your home. And sure. you then have to show, um, we like people to be able to show a, a birth certificate or a baptismal, believe it or not, that's in the code, tismal um, certificate that shows age. And then there's the immunization um, uh, piece that people have to um, navigate. And that's, you know, how has your child been immunized? And then we educate the student instantly that day. You can't say, Hey, guess what? We're overcrowded. Come back in a month. That right. is expulsion without due process. You cannot do that. So you have to like, just with the new Afghanistan students that we've had, my mantra there, my, my uh, emphasis was on, they need to be in a classroom today, uh -huh. not two weeks from now, three weeks from now. So we created a, a new program for them called the Newcomer Program to enable them to transition. It was school, but to get them to transition into a, a regular school, dis, uh, school classroom in a regular school district. Um, so the, the important thing is that we serve all students. And I believe that Orange County, I know for a fact, we are one of the premier counties in the United States. Um, we, if you look at the, the, the study that UC Berkeley did recently, Orange County scored the highest scores by given by parents regarding parental satisfaction of our schools. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's the, sure. one of the reasons why the state asks us to help roll out standards is because we are equipped to do the job excellently with the highest degree of professionalism. And yet we get criticized by some people saying, you shouldn't be teaching that, you shouldn't be teaching that. Well, guess what? Again, those are part of state and national standards. And they're also, by the way, tied in to entry-level requirements at the university level. So, you know, like you right. talk about A through G requirements, you know, four years of English, three years of mathematics, you know, uh, two years of science. All of these things are core courses required to get into the University of California and the California State University system. And some of the privates have even higher standards than that. Right, right. So, you know, so what I'm trying to say is that this isn't something you treat lightly. You don't treat it incompetently by saying, we're not going to teach that anymore. And we're not going to do that right, anymore. Right. There's Which a, is what we're seeing. And, and Placentia or Belinda is the you know biggest example of this, but we're expecting to see these battles at, at the ballot with school boards on yeah. the front lines of, of these fights in, in November, but your election and the, and, yeah. and the three board of education um, that, that are districted in Orange County, everybody in Orange County gets to vote for your office. Mm -hmm. um, but, but this is kind of the, the first round in June of yeah. what is the direction of our public education in Orange County going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and your opponent and, and, you know, the, the current board member, uh, her husband, Jeff Barkey, 
They both serve on the board of Classical Academy, which was a charter school that was approved by this um, current board. And, and, and they were featured in the New York Times article about their affiliation with Hillsdale College, a conservative Egypt evangelical school, which wants to use Trump's you know, 1976 project, which historians across the nation have have said, you know, it's just incomplete, it's inaccurate, it doesn't teach accurate history. Um, and, and so there is an ideological driver to this that these charter schools want to use public taxpayer funds for what is essentially an ideological charter, which is very different from the charters we've been talking about in Santa Ana, the charter schools that are doing incredible things, the you know the performing arts school, those kinds of of schools. This is a real difference that than we've seen before. Um, so, what is your concern if if you lose this election? What are the stakes if if you know, if a board member of a, a charter school associated with this ideological agenda takes over the Department of Education. Well, you know, I want to be very clear, and that is that, you know, um, you mentioned losing the election. I'm a person of faith, and if it, I do lose the election, then so be it. God closes one door and opens another. I do um, believe, however, that in terms of just logically looking at this situation, um, it is myopic to think that everybody's going to be slotted into this one track of education. Um, I find it interesting that when you think of the classics and we think of classic literature, much of uh, which has emanated from, let's just take great universities like Oxford, Cambridge, Sure. Our own our own universities here. Um, the these 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 um, concepts are predicated upon strong pillars of virtue, forbearance, kindness, love, civility. And yet I see all the incivility coming out of people who are talking about the classics. I just find that to be uh, a paradox. Um, right. So I think, though, that if you're saying basically that everything else that we have been doing, which by most metrics is demonstrating success. What, what do you now think that that should all be torched because we have something better to offer? Uh, I think that that is uh, foolhardy to believe that. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that there can't be room for these other options, but for people to come in with this mindset that this is what we're going to do, uh, and only this is um, not going to be inclusive. It's going right. to be exclusive. Right. It's not going to, frankly, in my opinion, support the notion of parental choice. It is not going to, it, 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 it's going to constrain what choices one must take and make. Uh -huh. And I think it is not going to produce the kind of public school system that is here to serve everybody. Know my name, face, and story. Now, when you're talking about everybody, you mean 
all, all means all. Yeah. And so, you know, if you, if you're, if you're coming at this from the, from the, the position that here's what we need in our schools and it's going to be codified into maybe these tenants, this is what we need. Well, you know, already that's not education because education uh, you know, it's endemic in this profession to learn, to grow and to be, you know, and, and to look at the way things work and to be creative, critical thinkers and creative, you right. see. And so I just think that they're coming in with an agenda to correct. What are they going to correct? Um, you know, do we have right. does education have its challenges? Sure. Do we have warts? We do, because that's part of human life. Right. But I just think that that it's a mistake to move education in that direction, um, almost like um, we're creating our own world here. Right. Yes. It does very much seem like that that is. And I and I love those words that you're using to describe a classical education. And I think that that when we take labels and change the meaning, then we're no longer communicating the same way. And and you know the classical education is what you know, we have in, in many of our schools. Um, but this is something completely different. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, our talk about public policy where it's, it is complicated and labor intensive and slow because we want to have everyone to have a seat at the table. Um, and, and that's how good public policy happens, not in a back room with an agenda funded with dark money. Um, and that's my real concern about some of these, you know, we, we call them astroturf battles that appear to be grassroots, but are really being funded by, you know, nefarious folks that aren't showing their face. Um, and, and so I think a lot of these scare tactics about what's actually happening in our schools have been blown out of proportion. And, and again, um, you know, elections have consequences. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, I love your graceful answer to what would happen if you lose. But I do think that the Orange County Department of Education would have consequences yeah. with the outcome of this election. And I think that we, the voters, have a choice to make. And I want to make sure that people understand that choice. And, and if people support Hillsdale Academy or Hillsdale College that, that is part of this classical academy, they have a vote. And, and I want that vote to happen, but we need to have these debates and conversations in the public square so that we know what we're voting on. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. Um, and, uh, you know, I go, you mentioned earlier the board and, and the race going on there. Well, let me say that in the lawsuits that have emanated, uh, there have been there have been multiple suits. The, there's a sense that well, if we get what we want, sue, sue. Right. Hopefully, we'll get a judge. Hopefully, we'll get somebody in the superior court system that will see life as we do. Uh, they there's a distrust for going to the AG for opinions right. um, because people will size up. Well, what is the AG? What po political party do they represent? You know, and so that's the problem. We, it has become so partisan right. that, that people don't even talk to each other. And this is not new to you nor me. I mean, we have, we have another meltdown at, in the nation's capital in DC 
And the same thing occurs in local school boards where people can't, it devolves into name calling, who can shout louder than the other, who can push and shove their way to the front, who can right. grab hold of microphones and, and begin to expound upon their ideology of life. Look, if, if your ideology is so compelling, you don't have to beat people over the head right. to win them over. Right. Like I tell people, look, you're talking about others, others, others. Do others really matter? The, the kid that comes into the classroom who, who perhaps speaks another language or brings another culture, do they matter? We, we have a, a line that we say, know my name, face, and story. There's so much disengagement from kids today. The mental health problems are off the chart. Right. Before the pandemic, CDC said one in five needed mental health. Now, after the pandemic, one in three of our kids need mental health. And we as adults are fighting over these nonsensical, you know, what we would call right. these, 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 uh, these, these uh, ideological principles of how we think life should be. Uh -huh. And America is too complex to reduce it to that. Absolutely. So, so you know, so Absolutely. what I'm saying is that the board, yeah. its role, its role is number one, to serve as an appellate body for students who are being expelled from school and they're supposed to look at, did this, was the student afforded due process? Was there really an expulsion? Did they violate the law? And then, and the, the local district has to go through all these same steps, but then there's one more, you know, set of eyes and that's the board. Okay. So they're an appellate body for kids who are expelled. Then for kids who want to go to other districts, inter-district transfers, if mm -hmm. one of the districts denies the student, the student has a right to appeal that that the board listens to those cases too. Right. The board then has a responsibility to guess what? To be a board for the students who are in our care. That is those who are locked up and those who are credit deficient, those who have been expelled. Mm -hmm. They're supposed, that's who they are supposed to serve under law. That's why a county, right. one of the main reasons why a county office exists. The other thing the board does is it serves as a corporation in the purchase of property. Um, the board removes its hat as being a board member. They put on their corporation hat, then they can create transactions that allow the acquisition or the, um, uh, you know, the, the sale of property. Um, it, it also has a responsibility to approve our local accountability plans for the students we serve mm -hmm. and they approve the budget. The budget approval process of the of Orange County Department of Education is largely predicated upon the board attesting publicly that we are solvent. We have enough money to meet all right. of our obligations and we have money for economic uncertainties. But the, the budget is to be developed by the professionals. That's my office. Right. So when right. they want to start picking and cherry do, picking and taking things out, we have to ask ourselves, what are you removing? And may, let me explain why we need that. It right. could be there's a mandate that requires right. it. So right. see, that's what they're supposed to do uh, fundamentally. Um, and, and they have, board has no authority over local districts. Right, right. Because those districts already have a board. They have a board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I remember, for example, the uh, board um, right at the apex almost of the pandemic. So 2020, 
in the mid, you know, mid spring when we had the lockdown in March for two weeks. You remember all that? I do. Well, yes. They wanted, they had, they called for a a, um, forum to discuss the merits of this. And they, they, they impaneled, uh, you know, a handful of people, maybe a dozen or so that came and it was all via zoom and then emanated a white paper. And guess what? The people that came to speak, all of them uh, divested themselves. They all said, we didn't write that. Don't right. put our name on right. it. So they all requested that their names be removed from the so-called white paper, which basically the board was saying, go to school, forget masking. Forget no masks, no distance. Right. And, and this is all, you know, boom, boom, they made it sound like it was a political deal. North, nothing more in terms of the disease itself, the virus. And uh, we had an amazing backlash of parents protesting this, saying, wait a minute, the CDC, the California Department of Public Health, all of these people are saying, this is something we have to treat seriously because you can die from COVID-19. Guess what? There was a sense of it's overplayed, we're overreacting, you don't need to wear a mask, get back in school. And it was just, it was really disturbing that we would make such a try to get make such an affirmative, you know, move from one place to the other. Correct. Almost like we're going, we're going this way. Now we're going to make a sharp left or 180 right. degrees because that right. this other way is, is political. It, Correct. So, you yes. know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm I saying do. That, I do. I, yeah. You know, and, and the boards, the local boards have the intelligence, they have staff, they have consultants, they have the wherewithal to make the proper decisions for its public. Right. And that the communities are different. You know, there's a, there's a really different risk level when, when you've got, you know, kids who are living in multi-generational houses with essential workers who are on the front lines before there are vaccines versus a, a community that has privilege and wealth where yes. you're in single family homes. And so oh. for the for the Orange County Board of Education to make those recommendations to the local boards without understanding just the, the diversity of experiences, um, you know, really, really revealed exactly why we need to yes. have local control of schools. Yes, exactly. And you know that, for example, in central Orange County, so you look at Santa Ana, Anaheim, they had higher rates of infection. Of course. And the parents course. the parents were upset when people did not wear a mask. And I told people many times, I said, you know, I'm healthy. Um, thank God I, I've never had COVID. I'm, I'm immunized. But, you know, um, I wear a mask many times because of others. Other people are wearing masks. And when I go into a location, I have to size it up. If, if, for example, if they, if a proprietor says you must wear a mask, I put my mask on. I'm not there to protest that. And I try to be respectful of others because like in Santa Ana, they, those families wore masks faithfully. You know why? Because many of them don't have health insurance. Sure. They can't just take their. Or sickly. And so, uh, you know, a day off is, is lost pay. Um, yes. And plus they don't have the money to pay for it. So they say, what am I going right. to do if my son or daughter or we, or I get sick, right. I just follow these precautions. Yeah. See, and so for them to say, Hey, you don't need to be doing all these things anymore. Well, right. What body of knowledge do you base this on? Right. You know? right. So anyway, I'm, I'm using yeah. that as an illustration that um, 
when we start to um, subvert what I would call uh, regulations and laws, you have to be very careful. Now, I believe fully in protesting in the appropriate way. That's what makes yeah. Americans Americans, that we can stand up and say we don't agree with that. But we do have representative government. I tell people, you're here telling us, me and others, the other people, what we should be doing. Guess what? We don't make these laws. Right. right. I don't make them. Right. And, and by the way, I don't agree with all the laws that come my way. Um, so, but I, I find common ground and I find space yeah. to make sense of them in the classroom because fundamentally I do believe that the laws that have been established are fundamentally for the public benefit. They're for our sure, good. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate this. I've got a couple more questions that I ask everybody at the end of the show. But I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, the results of this election with bated breath to see what the public decides. Um, so what's the best advice you've ever got? The best advice? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I would say overall it, it gets back to um, the golden rule. Mm. You know, uh, and I believe that the golden rule is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, and inclusive in that is, if for me personally, because my faith is very important to me, it, it, it leads me in all that I do. I believe that um, my job is to love others mm. and to be to epitomize the message of Christ toward others. And I think that um, I, I need to be less about me and more mm -hmm. about him and more about what does my neighbor need? How can I help my neighbor? Mm -hmm. I tell my kids, you should get a job, a good job, so you can not only meet your needs, but you can help those in need. So yeah. to me, it's, it's about really caring for others, loving the kids that I serve as though they were my own kids. Mm -hmm. um, I had my children attend school where I was superintendent. Two of my sons graduated from Century High School in Santa Ana. And they formed relationships that to this day are are strong with their peers. Uh, they They got a solid education. They went on. One went to got a degree in, 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 in uh, biology from UCI. The other got a degree uh, in, in theater from USC. Mm. So, you know, in other words, um, and then to have two of my sons who, who went to Foothill High School here in Tustin, where we live, we live in unincorporated Santa Ana area. And um, they also graduated from college. All of our five sons graduated from college. So, um, I'm a trustee at Biola University, which is a, um, as you know, it's a, it's a sure. Christian school. And, um, and so, but, but the whole point there is to teach the students that come to, to Biola and through Biola, uh, teach them how they can be, um, provide hope to others, be mm -hmm. light to others, and, and help others uh, succeed in life. Yeah. You know? And well, so that's. I that's I think our community would be a lot better if we all follow the golden rule. Yeah. Think yeah. about it. I mean, and then, and there's different cultures that have something very similar. Sure. 
But, sure. You know, there every 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 system out there that I've known, um, yeah. people understand that. Look, it isn't all about me, and right. if it is all about me, you end up with a, a situation like Ukraine. Sure. Sure. You know, in other words, you you really have to harness who you are. If you get yeah. up every morning and worship self and worship what you believe to be the only ideology that one can possibly find. Um, I think that you're going to be very narrow and you're going to marginalize people, if not outright discriminate against them. And we've had histories of, of sure. Absolutely. tremendous case, you know, and I've been very involved in the Mendes case. I was superintendent in Santa Ana Unified when we built the first school after Gonzalo and Felicitas Mendes, but it was a whole case of, yeah. you know, separate but equal. And by the way, People don't realize this. It preceded Brown versus Board of Ed, but really the Mendes decision toppled separate but equal uh-huh. in all industries of the United States, in 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 schooling, in voting, in healthcare, in who yeah. where you got where you got to live and rent a house. It did it all. And you know what? You talk to Sylvia Mendes, who's a person of faith, and she will tell her mother used to say, It's not just for us, it's for right. all the children that we're right. doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Fullerton College uh, counts Sylvia Mendez as one of our very best friends. She's wonderful and talks to our students a lot. So it's been a great joy to get to know her and uh, her parents and and the other families were just so incredibly brave. Um, Yeah. So what's a book that you like to recommend to people? A book you love, a book that you want others to read? Um. Boy, I am one book would be very difficult. I I don't know that I can choose one book other than the Bible. Frankly, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't express that enough. I mean, I think it's inexhaustible the Bible, both the Old and New Testament. That's what I would recommend, yeah. frankly. If yeah. I had to think of a more contemporary book, I I would love for people who okay. quote the Bible inaccurately to read it again. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> That's the I, I, that, I don't, I don't people, like to, I don't I, use I the don't Bible as a club, Testament by the way. Is the, I don't think their New Testament is the same as mine, but the, the yeah. red letter well, quotes of Christ seem very, very different yeah. from what you know some what? of these folks are preaching. And when you think about it, his whole work here was to was wasn't at, for the local person who was getting it all wrong. It was yeah. for the leadership because right. they were hypocrites. Right. They said one thing and did something entirely different. Yeah. And that's what I see often happening today, that yeah. it, it gets to this hypocritical, you talk about love and look, you hate your neighbor. That's not going to square. But right. really a simple book that I used to read all the time to kids and it's profound and it's uh, The Giving Tree, mm-hmm. you know, which 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 talks about it, it basically at the end, uh, the main character, the little boy who the tree kept giving, 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 ends up frustrated and and um, unfulfilled and perhaps hopeless. Why? Yeah. Because it was all about them. Yeah. Me, 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 me. What, you know, it's like resume versus epitaph. What? What do you want on your grave? Oh, resume uh, versus epitaph. Yeah. So, so, so if you're if you're if you're only concerned with resume, guess what? You use people for oh, your wow. advancement. 
And I would say, like, in my case, I really believe that um, uh, that the idea of being a striver, be careful, Uh because if all that matters to you is striving, you will end up with a trail of bodies. The carnage will be behind you and Mm. you will someday wonder when you look at your life, what did I do? I don't have friends. I don't really love people. I mean, you know, it's a sad, sad commentary when a person lives for himself or herself and they never learn the lesson that you're only going to find fulfillment in serving others. I'll just leave with this one note. When I was a school principal, I had a teacher, beautiful teacher who was clinically depressed. And we would always be calling her home if she was late because we said we were three thought she was going to commit suicide. And we wanted to give her help and everything. And her first name was Connie. And Connie, we we ended up every year, and, and this is you can't do this anymore, but every year, all of the clothing that students never claimed. We would wash those clothes. They'd be jackets, they'd be sweaters, they'd be scarves, whatever it is. We would wash them. And then our student body with a handful of teachers, including myself, would take those across the border to an orphanage. Mm. And Connie went with us one day and we stayed there a couple of days. And one of the things we brought to was... um, uh, it was a special shampoo to teach to treat pediculosis, uh, which is head lice. And she, guess what? She started washing the heads of little kids who had no parents and washing their hair. Yeah. And that was so gripping to her that it gave her purpose and hope. And it was that act of service to others that broke her depression stopped yeah. the depression a woman yeah. who felt like i can't live anymore people don't commit to suicide because it's it's too painful um right they don't commit suicide because they want to die they commit Correct. suicide because life is too painful to live they want the pain and now she had hope yeah so these people that are up there in this with their pompous, you know, like this is how it's got to be. And they're spewing out hate is only going to end up backfiring them in life. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, I've had friends who died by suicide and, and, and the realization that they didn't want to die. They just needed the pain to end the pain they were suffering through. And I think, it, it just really turns that idea on its head and, and makes it easier to understand what we need to do to help people. You know, Jody, we had a student just, just, we, we've had a number of students who have committed suicide in our County. Uh, one of the things we do real well on all the other academic measures. And uh, we, we lead the most counties in terms of uh, advanced placement courses and international baccalaureate courses. We're now offering Cambridge courses for very challenging courses. Um, but we don't do well in the area of mental health. And a number yeah. of our students are vaping. 
Many of our students are dealing with suicide ideation, su some who are, you know, have, who've killed themselves or have attempted to kill themselves. And so we had a young man very recently that killed himself. Oh. We've had many, many since the pandemic that yeah. have committed suicide. And so we do the crisis net, uh, response network. Um, yeah. It's um, uh, CRN it's called, and we're the first ones often to get a call from the coroner's yeah. office. You know, the sheriff right. Barnes and his people, they call to say we have a completed suicide. And mm. so now we have to deal along with the districts with a fallout of that. And sometimes a staff right. member will kill themselves. Right. And it is it ravages the mind, the soul that this is serious business, people. Right. If you don't know the name, face and story of yeah. your students, um, you are missing out and you're, you won't be developing student agency where they can now learn how to solve their own problems. Right. But, you know, it's about one human being touching another. And yeah. if all we care about is not them, but our ideology and what we believe makes sense for our lives. And we, we try to shove that down their throats. I think we're committing an act of sin. Quite yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I, I do. I feel like we're playing with people's lives. Yes. Yeah. So is there, among all of this, uh, is there a hopeful message you can share with our listeners and my students? Well, I'm very hopeful. I'm very energized. I'm very excited about life. Um, we have our challenges, but I see those as not, you know, I don't see them as the big uh, uh, boulder uh, that prevents us from moving forward, but as a stepping stone. So I, I do believe that the pandemic, we've learned so much from the pandemic. It's helping us in the in just the area of, 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 of hygiene, but it's helping us also in terms of our efficiencies with e-schooling, school, e you know, mm -hmm. with video conferencing and how we can do a better job there. There's nothing more important than to have a teacher eyeball to eyeball with students. That's the premier form of instruction and what we, we, we we're doing right now, thank God. But sure. I can say that uh, I'm very hopeful. I think we're on the right track. Our uh, county continues to be sought by counties all over the country for how are you guys handling this? How are you guys handling that? And that's because we have a sense of camaraderie among us as educators, and we're yeah. here to really help uh, create uh, students who are going to be strong citizens in this country and take Absolutely. their place. Absolutely. So I feel I feel excited about it. And I think we should be optimistic and move ahead with. Um, uh, feet that are dancing and yeah. let's also keep our mind wide open in terms of don't have a closed mind have mm -hmm. that's the fixed mindset have a mm -hmm. growth mindset right yeah One, absolutely seize every opportunity as a way to improve the human condition i i love your your metaphor of seeing the challenges as stepping stones instead of boulders that's yeah. really powerful so finally who should we talk to next <laughs> Who's in the community that you know that I might not? Um, well, there's um, people that um, uh, you mean like in, in, in education circles or? People doing great things. Well, I think that um, we have a number of partners that we're doing great things with. Um, I think on the uh, like career tech side, uh, which is all now all integrated with um, 
we used to think that there were two tracks. There was the vocations and the professions. Right. No, not technology has neutralized all of that. You for you to go into, let's say, career tech, you need the same competence, abstract thinking, problem solving ability that would be required to go to a four year mainline university. Absolutely. Right. So anyway, but uh, I would say people like Mark Percy, who is the he does the he's the CEO from the Leadership Alliance here in Orange County. Um, I would say guys like Gaddy Vasquez, who's very much part of our fabric here in Orange County. Yeah. Um, uh, Ron Simon from the Simon uh, Foundation, RSI Simon Foundation. I've known Ron a long time, done a lot of great things together to help kids. He's He is providing scholarship opportunities for kids who are at the poverty level largely. They have high potential, maybe low achievement. They try to get them college and career ready. Uh, there's a number of people like that that are- I love it. Great I leaders. Love it. Yeah. I haven't I haven't thought about Gaddy Vasquez for a while. He'd be great to talk to. Yeah, so. he would be because he's yeah. very, very connected to education. In fact, he's uh, Cal State Fullerton is giving him an honorary degree, and they had a little dinner for him a couple of nights ago, and I went to that. Oh. It's about 30, 30 of us in the room yeah. that was in, and, um, you know, uh, President Virgie was there, and he made some great comments about Gaddy. So Gaddy's going to be the commencement speaker at CS. Oh, great graduation but he would be another great voice i think too sure sure well thank you and i appreciate you spending some time with me good luck uh doing your job as well as uh campaigning and uh, i look forward to the results okay thanks a lot 